All right, the Sword of Sports Podcast, episode 64. Here, we're back. Another week of football. And uh, we decided not to do a pennant preview. Uh, We're just going to talk about the World Series. I'm going to have Andy and RJ come back on when it is World Series time. And we'll talk all about that. Just didn't work out scheduling-wise. We're on fall break. My computer was here. I wasn't able to get it recorded, so... That's just uh, just the way it rolls. That was the way we're going to go. So on uh, this episode, just like usual, like we've been doing every Thursday, we've been doing football, and then if I want to talk to you on movies at the end, that's what we've been doing. So let's start off with some college football. And uh, I think, I've just written down my notes, Colorado, why? Uh, we blew a... Um, Um, so Colorado football played the Stanford Sycamores this weekend, and, um, we blew a 29-point lead, so, yeah, we were up 29-0 at halftime, Shador Sanders was selling merch on his Instagram in the locker room during halftime, came back out in the field, and Stanford ended up beating us so that was completely embarrassing and I can't I I don't know it was uh, why did I think they're aren't they the Sycamores it says Cardinal Stanford Cardinal yeah the final score was 46 43 for those who wondered which is just crazy that we lost that game Stanford University. Are they the Sycamores? Um, one of the most prestigious universities in the world. Well, good for them. And I knew they were pretty prestigious. I didn't realize they were considered one of the most in the world. Stanford University mascots. The Stanford tree is the mascot. Team name is Cardinal. Why did I think they were the Sycamores? Wow, this is... Huh. The university is not an official mascot. Stanford's team name is Cardinal. Huh. Wow. Okay. The tree is the unofficial mascot. It is with the band. That's interesting. Huh. Okay. Well, you know, you learn something new every day. I don't know why I thought, for all this time, I thought they were the Sycamores because they had the tree. I just thought Stanford Sycamores. I thought it rolled off the tongue nice. Uh, the Stanford Cardinal. If I Maybe, you know, I'm stupid and everyone realizes this, and I'm the only one who didn't realize, but here we go on the podcast. Everyone has now heard me realize what was going on. So there we go. Let's talk about the game that was absolutely epic. And that was Washington versus Oregon. I figured this was going to be a great game. I was watching it. Came down to a last last field goal from Oregon. If they make it, they tie the game. We go to OT. He misses it. And Washington goes on to win the game. Pretty much boosting uh, Panics. Michael Panics Jr.'s got great odds to win Heisman. He's the favorite now. Uh, Caleb Williams... And USC lost this weekend. So Oregon and USC both lost. Me saying that the Pac-12 is better, I mean, his best conference is really aging poorly. I think the Big Ten is definitely the best conference right now. 
because USC, I mean, they, they did not look good at all against Notre Dame. And Ohio State obviously beat Notre Dame in a Hood Classic. So, <clears throat> yeah, I think Big Ten definitely is the best football conference right now. And the Pac-12 kind of got embarrassed. I mean, Oregon-Washington was a good game. I'm not, like, disappointed in Oregon, but USC was a real embarrassment for the Pac-12. So, definitely think Big Ten's taken over now. And this weekend, you got the huge Big Ten game, and that's going to be Ohio State versus Penn State. I'm expecting Ohio State to win. I feel like destiny is for Ohio State-Michigan to be both undefeated when they play each other, which would be pretty exciting. But, anyway, back to Washington-Oregon. It was a great game. Uh, Knicks and Panics are both showing out. And you know, I just – right now they're ranked five. That's that's crazy that, you know, Washington is fifth. So great job by them. Um, let's look at the overall AP standings, if I can get it. It's only It only wants to give me the conference. How do I get – oh, man. AP top 25. Let's see it. So right now, number one is still Georgia. Two is still Michigan. Three is still Ohio State. Four is Florida State. Five is Washington now. Oklahoma dropped down a spot. They're sixth. Penn State is seventh. Texas is eight. Texas is the first team here that I've named that isn't undefeated. And then Oregon is ninth, even though they have a loss too. And then North Carolina is 10. North Carolina is the team that I think could be really interesting. If they can win out, there's a shot that they're in the playoff because realistically, um, you know, Florida State and North Carolina are going to play each other. And the winner of that game will go undefeated the rest of the year and go on to um, be in the playoff. So, I just think, yeah, I think that's going to be the way it goes. I mean, I think North Carolina, Florida State, one of them will make the playoffs from that conference. And I, I don't know. I really like what North Carolina's doing. I like Drake May a lot. Drake May, he's making his claim to be taken um, probably top five draft pick. Like, Drake May, really looking great. So, as far as Michigan-Ohio State, I'm still not 100% sold in Ohio State. I think Michigan might beat them this year. We'll see. But Michigan State does play Michigan this weekend. I meant to say Michigan plays Michigan State. It doesn't matter, though. Uh, they're playing this weekend. If Michigan loses that, that completely screws everything up. But if Ohio State loses to Penn State, that completely screws everything up, and that would be craziness, absolute craziness. So it's going to be really interesting to see what goes on. I don't see Michigan losing to Michigan State, but you can never – rule out and upset in that game but yeah Michael Penix Jr. absolute dog right now he is he's just on another level he's been killing it and I do think he's going to be Heisman but yeah definitely Big Ten being the best uh, conference right now let me look um, yeah definitely it's hmm. interesting all right I was just looking at Penix's stats and different things. He's really been killing it this year. It might be Penix. I heard them saying Penix, but um, I'm not exactly sure yet. And Penix sounds really odd, but if it is Penix, I'm sorry that I keep saying Penix. Okay, because the thing is, when I watch Washington, 
it's usually like when I'm at somewhere, so I can't hear the commentary. I have yet to watch Washington like in my own home. I've only ever watched them like at some like sports bar. So, okay, it's time. Flip the image. It's NFL. Brock Purdy. <laughs> I think everybody listens to this podcast know I love Brock Purdy. I named last week's episode about him. I love Brock. The Cleveland Browns defeated the San Francisco 49ers. The Niners went to go kick a game-winning field goal from Jake Moody. It was about a 30-yard chip shot, and he missed it, in which the Browns upset the undefeated San Francisco 49ers. Uh, you know, I do think it's rough when McCaffrey and Debo both go out. You know, the two of your best weapons for Brock. And, you know, he is playing, I think, the Browns kind of are officially the best defense in the NFL. So I think it's – I don't I don't think it's like, oh, Brock's a fraud. No, no, Brock's still good. But, you know, he got showed up by the best defense in the league. And I'm not really surprised by that. So, yeah. <sighs> yeah. It was um, real, real upsetting. Every team in the NFL now has one loss. We'll talk about the Eagles later. So it was really disappointing for me. He's a big Brock guy. I still think the Niners are really good. I think this Cleveland team could be so good if they just had, like, a solid QB. Like, they just need somebody, like, solid. Like, they don't even need anybody that's top 10. They just need somebody in, like, the 11 to 19 range. They would be, like, a Super Bowl-level team, honestly. They don't have that. I don't want to be like a jerk, but I'm like, you know, if they if they had Baker, they'd be really good. Or like even like, nah, I don't want to say Kirk Cousins because you can't really win in primetime games. But, you know, I don't think they need like somebody who's completely on another level. They just need somebody solid. I don't know. We'll see what goes on with them. I don't, I don't really want to talk about this anymore. All right, let's talk about why 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 did the Panthers tease me of being good? We go up 14-0 against the Dolphins. We end up losing, I think it was 21 to 42. Why? Why did we even like act like we were going to beat them? It was just a tease. It just made me upset. Don't do that again. That was terrible. I hated that. It was it was awful, and don't do it again. So, I don't know why the Panthers did that. It was very upsetting for me. Uh, let's talk about um, Bryce Young and the offense. I think Bryce continues to look really good. I think Frank Reich might be the wrong guy for him, though. I'm starting to think we might just need to have to move on from Frank Reich. I don't really like what he does in the offense. I don't think he's benefiting Bryce. I don't enjoy anything we're really doing offensively. So, I, yeah, I think we should move on from Frank Reich, honestly, unless he starts showing improvement. The only team in the NFL that's 0-6. So, you know, this year, there are no teams that are undefeated. Like, all, there were two teams that were undefeated. There's only one team that hasn't won a game yet. And one of those streaks was broken this weekend, and it wasn't the team that hasn't lost. I don't know if that makes – I mean, hasn't won. I don't know if that made sense. Like I'm saying, there were two teams undefeated, one team that's nothing but defeated, and you wouldn't bet on the one team being nothing but defeated uh, having its streak broken. I mean, 
you would bet on that. Oh. I'm being confusing. Moral of the story is it's stupid that we're 0-6. I can't believe what we're doing. And uh, let's look at the Panthers' schedule. I just I enjoy having hernias. So let's let's just yeah, so we're gonna play the Texans this week, and uh, we're gonna get our ass handed to us. It's plain and simple. We'll play the Colts the week after that. There's a chance we win that. Because Anthony Richardson's out for the year. It's a shame to see that I'm pretty upset about that. G had him on her fantasy team, and it's I mean, I like Anthony Richardson, so I'm pretty upset about that. But you know, I think there's a chance Panthers can win that. Then we play the Bears on is it Thursday night football? That's terrible. Uh, maybe we beat the Bears. Maybe. Let me play the Cowboys. We'll lose. Tex Titans will lose. Bucks will lose. Saints will lose. Falcons will lose. Packers will lose. Jaguars will lose. And Bucks will lose. So, two wins potentially in the year? I'd say maybe one. So, if the Bears want Caleb Williams, they can have him. Is really the moral of the story. Because our pick is going to be a top three pick. Potentially the one pick. So, um... Yeah. I feel like Caleb Williams is destined to be a Patriot. Maybe that's just me. I could see it. It's just he's a douche and that would fit. And I don't think Bill would enjoy how he improvises so much, but they wouldn't be able to deny his talent. So maybe. Or maybe Bill's like, "No, I really like Bo Nix. We're going to trade back." But We'll see. It's going to be interesting. I think it's it's funny because I was listening to Bill Simmons' podcast and he was talking. It doesn't really feel like there's a lot of elite quarterbacks right now. Like, when you think about it, there's a lot of quarterbacks I think are pretty good. But, you know, when I really boil it down and say who have been the best quarterbacks in football this year, I would say, honestly, it's like Mahomes, Allen, Tua, Jared Goff, like my top four, those guys have played the best when I really think about it. So it's just weird to think that that's the top four. Because at the beginning of the season, I said name my top five QBs. You would have named only two of those guys, Allen and Mahomes. I mean, Burrow would have been two on everybody's list, and Hurts has been top five for everybody. And I don't think Hurts has played top five level. Two has outplayed Hurts. I just want to say that. Goff's outplayed almost every quarterback. Goff's been great this year. I think it's interesting. Like, I know we're only six weeks in or whatever, but that is a point to be made. Like, a lot of your top – like, how many teams really – let me pull up – let me do it. We're going to do a fun experiment. This wasn't even in my script for the day, but we're doing this because I feel like it. I'm going to run through every team and say, you know, if they're really set with the quarterback they have. Dolphins, yes. Bills, yes. Jets, I don't think they draft. They're probably going to take another year of AR. So I guess no. Patriots, hell no. They're definitely looking for somebody new. Chiefs, yes. Raiders, no. Chargers, yes. Broncos, no. I should be counting. So what? We said one, two, three. So we got three so far. Three out of the eight we've named. Would want somebody new. Ravens are set. Steelers, Let's say they're going to take another year of picket. I don't know why. Let's just say they do. 
Browns, probably looking for somebody new. So that's four. Bengals staying. Jaguars the same. Colts are the same because they have AR. Uh, Texans are obviously staying. Stroud has been great. Titans, they want somebody new. Okay, let's flip over the NFC. Eagles would stay. Cowboys, well, they have Lance and Dak, so I'm sure they're set between one of them. Commanders, I think they take somebody new. Giants probably want to take somebody new after this year, so that's seven. Uh, Niners are set. Seahawks probably want to take somebody new. Probably done with Geno relatively soon. Rams are set. Cardinals are going to want somebody new unless Kyler really kills and now he's back. Lions are set. Packers seem set. Vikings with someone new. We're going to say the Bears are set, but I'm really not that sure. We're just going to say that, okay? Bucks probably are set for now, but probably not too long. Falcons want somebody new. Saints want somebody new. Panthers are probably set. That was 12 teams out of 32. So more than a third of the league. Now let's say, okay, one of those teams is going to want more pain and suffering than I realized. So let's make it 11, right? It's still over a third. So that's just crazy to me that there's 11 teams in the league that don't have a quarterback they're really set with. And even some of those I named, it's not like they're killing it. Like, I said, like, like the Bears are set. It's not like Fields is killing it. Maybe the Bears aren't set. Cards are kind of set, but kind of not. So it's, you know, it's really interesting to see what's going on in the league right now because it feels like we talk all the time about how we have all this young quarterback talent, but yet it's not translating. Because, like, me included, I talk up Herbert all the time. Chargers aren't killing it. I think a lot of it's coaching, but still. And then, like, Burrow, same way. The Bengals aren't killing it. It just – and, like, even the Jaguars. Jaguars are 4-2, and two, which no one talks about, which I think is interesting. They've got a pretty good record right now. But – you know, no one is really, like, absolutely going crazy. And I think it's maybe what I talked about at the beginning of the year when I said, like, we're starting to see a shift more to defense being a big proponent in the league again. There's less offensively dominant. It's a natural ebb and flow. That's not me saying that the quarterbacks right now aren't good, because they are. But I just think coaching has started to figure out how to slow these guys down more. It's not like Mahomes is magically worse this year. I just think NFL defenses are on the up. That's why the Dolphins are so good, because they're like the one that can break the mold. They can still win with all these new defenses. I just wanted to toss in, I do think Tua is like a top QB at the moment. To me, I think he's going to win MVP at this rate. He's got to be considered a top quarterback right now. I don't care if you're like, oh, he's a system guy. He's killing it in that system. He's a top quarterback. I think I might title the episode this, but I wanted to say, how hype am I allowed to be about the Lions? Like, honestly, when I watch them every week, because I pretty much do watch them every week, they look like a Super Bowl-level team. And I used to say they're just going to be in it. I think they could win it now. I think there's four teams that can win the Super Bowl. Chiefs, Dolphins, Niners, Lions. Those are the four. This Lions team looks great every week, whether somebody's hurt, whether, uh, like, Amonra can be out and Jameer Gibbs is out. Doesn't matter. They still look excellent. They look good against great teams. They look good against bad teams. They don't 
Like they, it's a really well coached, well run team. David Montgomery's been a stud for them. I like the way they're working Gibson. Laporta is an absolute beast for them. Love Laporta in that offense. Amonra's great. Jamison Williams has had like he had a great catch last week. I think he's going to continue to get better and better as weeks go on. Goff's been playing really well for them. I just really like what this Lions team is doing. I think there's a real chance that we get a Lions-Dolphins Super Bowl. I honestly think that's in the cards. That'd be a banger Super Bowl, for what it's worth. But, yeah. I think there's still a chance that the Bengals come creeping out of nowhere to have, like, five losses on the year. But that would make it so they only lose two more times in the next 12 weeks. But I think that's a possibility. They do crazy stuff like that. So. I do think there's still a chance the Bengals can be a Super Bowl level team. But we will see. T. Higgins really has to improve. But yeah, I, I just feel great about the Lions. I just watch them every week and I just think it's a great team. I love what they're doing. I think people are talking this year. It's like, oh, next year they're going to be really good. Well, it looks like right now they're good. They're not going to wait around. So I'm really happy with this Lions team. Wanted to touch on CJ Stroud is just so, so, so legit. My gosh. You watch him and you're just like, wow. This dude, he just gets it. He, from the jump, has been great. And that Texans team has a real chance to win that division. They're three and three right now. Jaguars are four and two. If the Texans win that division, it'd be a huge shock. And I give nothing but credit to D'Amico Ryans for completely shifting up that organization. He went out and got two of the most valuable positions in football, which is a, a great edge rusher and a great quarterback, The pretty much the two most important pieces on any great team. And he's building a winning th- – like I won't say a winning program. It's not college football, but a winning system. And I really like what the Texans are doing. I frequently Sunday ticket them to watch Stroud. He's fun to watch. Him hooking up the ball to Nico Collins, Tank Dell, Mechie the third, uh, Robert Woods. I like that receiving core. I think he's elevated them a lot. And – yeah, I just like what the Texans got going on. I think it's a good team. They looked good last week. I think they're going to continue to look good. Bills-Giants is a weird game. I watched that on, was that Monday Night Football? Yeah. Yeah, Monday Night Football. That was such an odd game. Because it's like, you know the Bills are better, but yet, why are the Giants hanging around? And credit to Tyrod Taylor. He played really well. I would honestly think about starting him for the future. <laughs> just continue to start him because he's play, he played really well. But it was a weird game because you knew the Bills were better, but yet the Giants just hung around the entire game. Then at the end, they call pass interference, and you're like, oh, well, crap, the, the, the Giants are going to win this. Oh, my gosh, the Giants are going to – and then they don't, they don't execute on – their one play that they get with no time on the clock. And I was like, this is such an – like, how often would you get it? All right, you're on the one-yard line. You just got a huge flag that basically gifted you a touchdown. All you have to do is run one play, and they get stopped. It was crazy. And then there was talks whether it was pass interference or not on the uh, – when he th- when Tyrod threw the ball. I forget who he was targeting uh, on the pass, but – you know, he jumped up in the air, was trying to catch it, and they are pulling on his jersey a little bit, and everybody was like, oh, is that pass interference? Is that not – and I don't even – I'm not even thinking about that because I'm like, well, they got bailed out with the pass interference call in the play before. So getting back-to-back would have been crazy. So that's – that's wild. 
Uh, I want to point out the Jets are still three and three. Like their season is not over. So props to the Jets. Granted, they're in a tough division because the Bills are four and two and the Dolphins are five and one. But this Jets team's done pretty well for losing Aaron Rodgers four plays into the year. I want to also talk in uh, Herb and the Chargers losing the cat. Oh no, Giants. Bills was Sunday night because Herb and the Chargers was Monday night. Yeah, so the Chargers Cowboys game. That was another one where I'm like, you know, I just, you know, I blame Staley all the time for the Chargers losing games. But then Herbert throws a costly pick that on the game winning drive, I'm like, okay, this is Herbert's time to shine. He's going to march him down the field, winning the game. And then he throws a costly interception. I'm like, damn, Herb, I love you. Like, I talk you up all the time. But yet, here you are throwing a costly interception on a game-winning drive. And so it hurts, like, my Herbert love and, like, me being able to talk him up when he makes a costly error like that in a huge moment. So that was really upsetting to see. And I was also going to say, I kept saying there's something off about this Eagles team, and I feel like it came this week when they lost to the Jets. I was, It just felt odd. There's something wrong about this Eagles team. I just don't think they're as good as last year. I don't know what it is. I really can't place it. And that was shown this week, and they lost the Jets. I don't think the Jets are an elite team. I don't think the Jets are a bad team. I would put them on like the level of like the Rams, which I just want to say, if they had Rodgers, I mean, I do think the Jets could be a Super Bowl-level team with them. This Jets team is really good. If Rodgers can come back for the playoffs, I think they're a legit contender. It's just crazy, but it's true. All right, I already covered that I'd say Detroit is on the level to win the Super Bowl, so I already said that. I want to look at the standings real quick. There's a t- couple teams here. So, you know, I just want to point out to everybody, the Giants are 1-5, which is absurd to me. I think this team got a lot of goodwill last year, a lot of great energy, and now it's just completely gone to shit, honestly. It's not been good. Uh, Four-game losing streak right now, it's – it's just been rough for the Giants, and I was assuming – I don't know if they're going to keep Dayball. I don't know what they're going to do. I'm assuming they're going to move on from Daniel Jones, but it's been really bad. So it feels like that Giants year last year was a fluke, and the reality is they're really not that good. So I'm a big Danny Dimes lover, but I can't lie, he doesn't look that good, even with his bad O-line. I also want to say, as far as record goes, the Cardinals are 1-5. I feel like the Cardinals are a lot more talented than 1-5. And, and I said that to one of my friends, and Matt was like, no, it's not that the Cardinals are more talented. It's like that coach is more talented. He's like, Gannon is a really good coach. And I'm like, I agree. He's done a really great job with this Cardinals team. And I'm going to be very interested to see what he can do over the next coming years. I think he could really turn this Cardinals team into a real contender. He's a really good coach, and I trust his ability. So it's going to be interesting. I think Kyler's going to be back. I don't know if he's going to be back this week, but within the upcoming weeks, Kyler's going to be back, and it's going to be interesting to see what Gannon does with Kyler. Maybe Gannon's the guy to make Kyler work. Never been a big Kyler Murray guy. Oh, I used to be, like, in, like, 2020. When I first started the podcast, I was big on Kyler Murray. And then over time, I lost faith. But I think Gannon really knows what he's doing. I really like him as a coach. And I'm going to be very, very, very interested to see what he does with the Cardinals. So that's going to be exciting. Um, yeah, I just think they feel a lot better than 1-5. and five. I just feel like every week I'm like, there's a chance. Like, their only win is over the Cowboys. That was their only win. 
But it's like they lose the Giants by a field goal. They lose to the Niners. That was a legit loss. I mean, that was a 19-point loss. They lose to the Rams by 27. Not 27, 17, sorry. They lose the Rams by 17. They lose the Bengals by 14. So, I get. I mean, I guess maybe I'm just a little too high on them. But, like, this week when they play the Seahawks, I feel like they're going to put up a decent fight. And I like that Seahawks team. I think the Seahawks are a pretty good team. But I just think this Cardinals – I don't think the Cardinals are that bad. I think they're better than 1-5. To me, like, the Commanders are 3-5 and five and the Cardinals are 1-5. and five. I would say the Cardinals are better than them. I don't know if that's a crazy take, but oh, sorry. How are the Commanders three and five? They haven't even played that many games. The Commanders are three and three, and the Cardinals are one and five. But I, if they played, I feel like the Cardinals would beat them. And like the Packers are two and three, I think the Cardinals would beat the Packers. The Falcons are three and three, and the Saints are three and three. I think if the Cardinals played both of them, they'd win at least one of those games. I just think they're better than the record shows. I do want to point out NFC South three and two for the Bucks, three and three for the Falcons, three and three for the Saints, zero oh and six for the Panthers. I don't think any of these teams are really super good. I think the Bucks are the best, but none of these teams are excellent. They just have like flashes because Bijan is so much fun for the Falcons. But if they had a better quarterback, that team would be really good. But they have Desmond Ritter, and I don't trust him at all. For anybody else, I want to look at their record and just say they're better or worse than their record. Um, nah, I think it's pretty much it. I like the Titans are two and four. The Cardinals better than them. All right. Well, it looks like we're going to shift over into marquee matchups. This week at one o'clock, we have one of the best marquee matchups we've had all year, and that's Ravens Lions. Two quality teams facing off. If the Lions get knocked off here, then, you know, there's a chance I was overhyping them. So maybe I shouldn't title this episode, How Hype Am I Allowed to Be About the Lions? But I'm going to do it. I'm going to test the curse. Test the Klinger curse. Because if they can win, even after I name a podcast episode after them, that means they're curse-proof, which is crazy. So you got to love that. So I'm going to I'm gonna make that the title of the episode. This should be a great game. Um, I like the matchup. For the Ravens, I honestly think they could do some damage to Goff defensively, and I don't know how the Lions' pass rush is going to react to Lamar. It's going to be interesting to see what Hutchinson does, but I like this Lions team a lot. uh, Marquee matchups isn't really about me giving picks, but I do see the Lions winning here, but it's going to be exciting nonetheless. There's a lot of teams on by this week, so the other marquee matchup is Bucks falcons This is more so just to watch B. John Robinson. And I don't think this Bucks team is really that hard to watch. I love watching Baker Mayfield. I enjoyed watching him play the Lions last week. I love the creamsicle uniforms. And I was happy they lost, to be honest. Actually, no, I wasn't. I, I rooted for Baker that game because I want to see Baker get a win because I love Baker. But it's always fun to see the Lions win. I can't lie. 4 p.m., I got card Seahawks. Not a lot of great games at 4 p.m. this week. But Cardinal Seahawks, I think, could be pretty interesting. I honestly think the Cardinals could get an upset. If not, and the Seahawks take care of business, the Seahawks team continues to be a pretty solid team, but nothing crazy. Now let's shift over to primetime picks. Thursday Night Football. Tonight, we've got Saints-Jaguars, an absolutely terrible game that is not interesting at all. So I'm going to take the Jaguars. Just don't see much intrigue in this game. Sunday Night Football. This is an excellent Sunday Night Football game. I don't know how they managed to do this, but they got an excellent game on their hands, and that is 
Finns-Eagles. This is going to be an absolute hood classic. Jalen Hurts versus Tua Tonga-Vailoa. I just said Tua's been out playing Hurts this year, and he's going to do it on Sunday Night Football. Finns over Eagles. Monday Night Football. we got Niners-Vikings. I feel like when they scheduled at the beginning of the year, they were like, oh, yeah, this is going to be a good one. And now it looks terrible. Niners over Vikings, a get-right game for the Niners. Niners going to take care of business. Okay, so that was all the football talk for the week. Let's shift over to movies. All right, you see the image up there is seven. I'll touch on that in a bit. But before for that, I have to say, uh, so I mentioned that Genevieve was going to make me watch a horror movie because I lost a bet. So we did that, and she made me watch The Conjuring. And I woke up at 3 a.m. and couldn't fall back asleep that night. I went to bed around 1.30, woke up about 3 a.m., couldn't fall back asleep. Um, so and I told her that. She felt kind of bad, understandably that I couldn't sleep because of the film. So hopefully I don't have to watch a horror movie again because um, it, it, uh, I'm a big scaredy cat and I couldn't take it. So hopefully hopefully uh, me proving that, no, genuinely, I uh, couldn't sleep due to this movie. Hopefully I won't have to be uh, forced into watching another one anytime soon. Really the only other horror movie I would watch is Scream. I feel like I'd find that one kind of fun. So yeah, Conjuring is on my films of 2023 that I watched. It's definitely not making the Hall of Fame. It wasn't a bad movie. like It was quality, and I don't watch much horror movies, but it was just scary, and I don't really enjoy being scared. And um, for anybody that wants a movie that you know scares you, I think it, it succeeds. It's one of those where you're going to bed, and like every creak in your house like scares the hell out of you, and that's not, not a feeling I enjoy. So that was... That was my conjuring experience. Talked to a friend of mine, my buddy Aiden, and Aiden was like, that's like the most nightmare-inducing movie of all time. And I was like, Th- thank you for under supporting me. Uh, so, I don't know, well, it doesn't show up like, never mind. This is, I'm going to re- rephrase what I was just saying. So then, a couple days later, we watched Crazy Stupid Love because I wanted her to see it because I just thought it was absolutely incredible. She really liked it. So that that was better. I was like, okay, Crazy Stupid Love was like a nice warm bath after going out in the cold. It's like when I was younger and it would snow. I would like go out in the woods. I have a woods behind my house. And I would like walk on the ice. And then inevitably the ice would break and I'd be in this ice cold water. And that was the end of my fun because what you do is you'd run on the ice and it would crack and it'd be like, ah oh my gosh, I'm about to fall in. And then you like jump off because it wasn't that deep. It was like maybe like two feet deep. So you'd be like, oh my gosh, uh, it's cracking. And it's like a big exciting moment. I always felt like I was like Indiana Jones on it. And then I'd like jump off just in time before it fell into two feet of water. So then eventually I wouldn't jump off in time or a big enough chunk would fall off that then I was like in water up to my knees. Then I'd walk back to the house super cold and take a nice warm bath. That Crazy Stupid Love was a nice warm bath to The Conjuring's two feet of cold water. So that was really nice to rewatch that movie. I watched it and I was like, yeah, this might be top three for the Hall of Fame this year. Like, it's got a chance to be the best movie of the year. I think it's going to be really hard to beat across the Spider-Verse. I feel like that's a lock for number one. But Crazy Stupid Love makes a great case. Love Crazy Stupid Love. It's great. After that, I decided uh, with The Killer coming up, it's going to come out November 11th. Let's look up how many days till November 11th. 23 days. Wow, that's a lot longer than I thought it'd be. Um, November 11th is when The Killer comes out. The new David Fincher movie. Apparently it's been a big passion project of his. He's wanted to make this movie for years. 
with Michael Fassbender. Apparently, he doesn't blink in the entire movie, so that's cool. Really committed. And it's apparently going to be super good. Very excited to see it. Um, fun thing about Fincher is he's never won Best Picture, and I think that's going to continue because I don't see him winning Best Picture this year. I feel like Oppenheimer's a lock. But there's a chance he beats Oppenheimer at the Sword of Sporties, and that's the only thing that matters. I'm sure when David Fincher goes to bed at night, he's like, look, these Oscars, whatever. It's The Oscars is just a trophy. He's like, but the Sword of Sporties, that's immortality. I'm sure it's exactly what he thinks. So uh, let's see what you cook up, David. Uh, but I'm not seeing Killers of Flower Moon this weekend. I'm seeing it next weekend. This weekend, i got to play Spider-Man 2 and Mario Bros. Wonder. So i got big plans. The city needs me. I cannot wait for Spider-Man 2. I don't talk about video games much in the podcast, even though I do play a good amount of video games. But um, uh, Spider-Man, the first one, is like my favorite game ever. Like After that, it's like Ghost of Tsushima, Red Dead, and um, the Uncharted series. Probably God of War is in there somewhere, like the newer one. I, I try to rank Mario games separately because I've just made like my favorite games and it's it would just be like all those games and then like 20 Nintendo games. So I try to like, I'm like, here's my Nintendo set of favorite games and here's everything else in my set of favorite games. But yeah, Spider-Man, the first one, is like my favorite game ever. So I'm very excited. I'm sure 2 is going to top it. I can't wait for that. Once I un- unlock the Spider-Man 2099 suit from Spider-Verse, I'll probably just wear that the whole time. And uh, I'll mute the game, and then I'll play the, like, his music and everything. It'll be pretty cool. But enough about video games. I want to touch on TV-wise. They put Moonlighting on Hulu. So uh, the classic Bruce Willis television show. Might have to watch some of that. I've been watching Burn Notice on Hulu. I'm, like, four episodes in. And I really like that show. It was a USA Network show in the uh, early 2010s. And it's really fun. It's about a spy who gets fired. And then he is a spy, like he just helps people, like he's like a kind of like a private investigator a little bit, but it's not like a detective show, it's very like spy. I don't know, it's a very unique energy, I haven't ever really watched anything like it, I really love it, and uh, I've been watching that, and that's really fun. And Bruce Campbell's in it, he's one of the side characters. It's like a really just fun, fun show. So, might eventually start watching Moonlighting, maybe after I finish the first season of Burn Notice. But you guys know I struggle with TV shows, I'm definitely more of a movie guy. But speaking of the movies... Um, we'll go back to what I watched, uh, I think it was Tuesday, Tuesday or Monday, Monday. Uh, so in preparation to watch The Killer, I decided I was going to watch another Fincher movie. Uh, the only Fincher movies I'd ever watched are The Social Network, which I watched in 2021. So it was before I kept the list and did The Sword of Sporties. And then 2022, I watched Fight Club. So I liked Fight Club, but I think it was like 12 on my list last year. It was like 12 or 13. I think I touched upon it, but it didn't make the Hall of Fame. I like Fight Club. It's just what's weird about Fincher is he's one of my favorite directors, but he is yet I've yet to find a movie of his that I'm like, oh, I love that movie. That's one of my favorite movies because his movies are like they're perfect. They're excellent films, and I really like what he does. And he's very uh, I keep I compare Jordan Peele to Hitchcock, but I honestly think Fincher is very similar too. Um. <laughs> I don't want to compare everybody to Hitchcock, but I do think Fincher has some Hitchcock in him. My my cousin Marlo is a huge Alfred Hitchcock fan. I should text her and be like, hey, would you say uh, Fincher and Peele are both pretty similar to Hitchcock? But apparently like Fincher is a huge Hitchcock fan himself, and uh, he really studies his films and loves his films. So I, he, would, he would be okay with me saying that. 
but I'm kind of searching for that Fincher movie that I just absolutely love and you know want to want to talk about all the time. So I'm I'm just kind of searching for that one because I really like him as a director, but he doesn't. It's not like Tarantino where I think every Tarantino movie I've watched this year is going to the Hall of Fame. I don't know if I'm going to watch Kill Bill before the end of the year. I think I'm just going to hold off. And then um, there's a friend of mine who wants to watch all the Tarantino movies, so I might watch them all with him because he wants to see them all. And then I'll do my Fincher ranking, no Fincher ranking, my Tarantino ranking, where I rank all his movies, and then that year everything that hasn't already been in the Hall of Fame would be eligible. So that would be cool. Plus it would make it so this year's Hall of Fame isn't just – all the Fincher, not Fincher, oh my gosh, all the Tarantino movies going in one year because that would have been a lot. So it's kind of maybe better that I spread it out a little bit. But um, back to David Fincher, I watched Gone Girl, which was really good. I really like Ben Affleck as an actor. I think he's just really good. And um, I always enjoy his performance. I think he's very unique as an actor. I don't think there's a lot of actors that have his look. He's very physical, and by that I mean like he's bigger than most actors. He's a, kind of a big dude, and um, I think he brings something unique. I like, I really just like Ben Affleck in pretty much every movie I see him in. I always think he does a really good job. I always like his performance. I really should watch some of the movies he's directed, like Argo and The Town, and even Live by Night, even though it didn't get the best reviews. The only Ben Affleck movie I've seen him that he directed is Air. I really liked Air this year. Air is going to be one of the best films of the year, like just this year. I don't know if it's going to be in my best films overall in the year, but it will be in the best films I released this year. Really liked Air, and I just really like Ben Affleck as an actor. I think he does a really good job. Um, Not exactly sure if he was the best pick for Batman, but I think a lot of that was scripting more than anything else. But it was funny. My mom and I did an exercise when we were driving to Tennessee. We were talking about Oppenheimer. And for fun, we were like, if you had to recast the movie, how would you recast it? Who could fit in each role? And I said, I was like, honestly, I love Robert Downey Jr. or Strauss, but I think Ben Affleck could do a really good job too. And my mom was like, oh, that's a really interesting point. And so that just shows him pretty big, uh, pretty pretty big Ben Affleck guy. And then we just have another Hood classic with him and Matt Damon both in it. Matt Damon absolutely killing it on the year, being in that and Air. I mean, two great films. So... But Gone Girl is a completely uh, messed up movie. Um, it's one of those that's like, it's hard to recommend, I feel like. It's hard to be like, oh, you should really watch Gone Girl. Because then they watch the scene that everyone who's seen it knows what I'm talking about. And you feel a little weird you recommended it. But it's really good. I think it's a really good job by Fincher. I think he does a great job taking something that I think is relatively, a relatively, um, I don't want to say simple story. Because it's very complicated, but... Uh, something that in the wrong hands wouldn't seem so exciting and gripping, but with him, he makes it just absolutely like on the edge of your seat. So I give him a lot of credit. I think, you know, Gillian Flynn, I think is the way you pronounce it, she did really a good job. Um, it's really cool when you see the author of the book translated to a screenplay. That's interesting that she did both of those. That's cool. I've never read the book. I th- my mom has. I think she didn't care to watch the movie because it wasn't like perfect one to one. But I enjoyed the film. I thought it was good. Probably not going to be in the Hall of Fame. I, I really liked it, but um, it just—it definitely doesn't feel one. Where I'm like, ah, oh, man, I want to rewatch Gone Girl. <laughs> you know, it's really not one of those that you're like, woo, can't wait to go rewatch Gone Girl. So don't think Gone Girl's going to be. But it's one of those, like, if I was somebody who was like, hey, I'm going to watch, I'd be like, that's a really good movie. We should watch it. 
but not one that I'm good. It's not like, uh, it's not one that, uh, I'm going to just randomly fire up and be like, man, I can't wait to watch Gone Girl. I think it'd have to be another Fincher kick to want to watch it again. I've already gotten through most of his filmography because Alien 3, he doesn't even count as filmography. So, what, I already got four down? Well, you guys only know three. Well, I I mean, I put the picture of seven up. You know I watched seven. I mean, I'm, gonna, I'm about to talk about it. You've been waiting this whole time. You're like, Ryan, you put the image of seven. You haven't even spoke about it yet. What, let's talk about seven. Uh... Seven was great. It was also real crisp. I mean, two-hour runtime? Hell yeah. I can't, I'm going to go see Killers of Flower Moon next weekend, and it's going to be three and a half hours. I told my mom, don't tell my dad that's three and a half hours. My dad's really interested uh, to see it because he likes, like, American crime stuff. And um, he's really intrigued because of all the Native American heritage stuff in it, too. And like everyone in my family, this movie, The Killer's Flyerman, has a little bit of like something in every, like my mom, my sister, my dad, every single one of them is interested in it for different reasons. Um, and my sister, it can't even just be for Leo DiCaprio because Leo doesn't even, they're not even trying to sexy Leo up. He looks like somebody's dad, which he is like an older dude, dude in it. They weren't even trying to make Leo like sell extra tickets. So, you know, my sister genuinely is bought in for the plot and, um, I just told my mom, do not tell my dad it's three and a half hours because, whew, you know, that's that's a hard sell for my dad. But back to seven. Uh, two hours and seven minutes, oddly enough, is the runtime of that movie, concluding the credits. I just thought that was fun. I don't know if Fincher did that on purpose. He He's an absolute dog. He might have done that on purpose. He, he might be that locked in. But uh, David Fincher, was he really his first big movie? I mean, I wouldn't say really his first big movie. It is. It is his first feature-length movie, if you don't count Alien 3, which he does not, because he said there's so much studio interference. So his first movie, Seven, with Morgan Freeman, Brad Pitt, and um, obviously, it's weird to talk about, but you know Kevin Spacey um, as John Doe. And um, speaking of things that are weird to talk about, I just want to touch on this. Uh, Michael Lewis's new novel about the cryptocurrency apparently there's a lot of controversy over it, which I didn't realize because um, he was really romanticizing. Uh, oh my gosh, what is his name? Uh, he, yeah, he was really romanticizing uh, Samuel Bank, uh, Benjamin Bankman-Fried. I don't know why he read his full name. <laughs> uh, Sam, Samuel Bankman-Fried. He was really romanticizing, like, him as this big genius. And now, obviously, there's this huge uh, thing about his fraud and money laundering and all these different problems that I don't even know what the list of problems Bankman Freed, you know, there's a lot of things going against him. So it's going to be in- interesting to see how that goes with Michael Lewis's new book. But I didn't realize that when I talked about it last week. I was like, oh, I'm sure that'll be a big movie. Sure, it'll be a success. I figured, like, oh, it was going to be about, you know, this uh, how they built the crypto empire and it is but um now there's all this guy's being sued and there's a bunch of issues so i'm not sure how that'll affect things so i didn't even realize any of that and then after i said that in last week's episode i ended up reading that and i was like whoa i gotta touch on that next episode so this is me touching on that so i didn't realize there was all those problems going on so it'll be interesting but um what i this movie it's interesting because the third act, like the last 30 minutes, is probably some of the best 30 minutes, like last 30 minutes of any movie ever. Genuinely. 
So it's hard because it ends so expertly. Like I'm saying, that last half hour is perfect. And I don't want to spoil what happens, but for everybody that sees it, I'm saying once they're in the police station and um, they drive out of there, that is when the movie, I mean, I don't think it's really a spoiler to say they drove out of the police station. People who have seen it know what point I'm talking about, why that's important, but everybody who hasn't seen it, they don't know what I'm talking about, so it's fine. They drive out of the police station. From that point on, it is the, some of the best written, direct, it is perfect, absolutely perfect. Um, so it's hard for me because I think really the whole movie is leading to that point. So it's interesting. Also, I watched the Batman before this. And the Batman has a lot of similarities to this movie. In good ways. I don't want to, I'm not like, oh man, I used to think the Batman was good, but now I realized how similar it is to Seven. Well, if you're going to copy a movie, and I think Seven's a pretty good one to copy and take take inspiration from. But it, there's a lot of similarities. And um, I really like the Batman, so I think it's part of the reason I really like this movie. I thought this movie was really good. Uh, if you said, hey, you want to watch a movie tonight? I'm definitely picking the Batman over this. Batman's a little less intense. <laughs> Batman is a little, um, a little less heavy with... Um, it's doing very similar things without um, the bleakness, I would say, of Seven. But it's really good. I think the movie does a really interesting job having like a timelessness to it. Because they never say what city they're in. They're just like, oh, this city, it's terrible. Da, 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 da. It's like almost like this mythological... I mean, that's what I watched Chris Stuckman's review, and he—I think that was the exact term he used. It's like this, like mythological, like you just picture like just the worst city imaginable, like almost like a Gotham City type thing. And then, um, it's not really like super clear when it's set. Like, yeah, it's kind of the '90s. Like, other than uh, Morgan Freeman's character having a beeper, there's really nothing that really dates this movie. Like, it could really be set in the '60s. Like based off some of like like costume design, not the '60s. Oh my gosh, I didn't mean to say that. Like it almost has like the '30s look with like the costume design. I don't know how I got messed up speaking that way, but I did. It almost looks like like the '30s with the costume design on like Morgan Freeman's character and some of the other characters. But then like he's got the beeper, so it's very clearly like the '80s or '90s. So it's like this weird like little like movie in a bottle, I would say. I think that's really, really interesting how it's got this like timelessness to it. I think it's tough for me because to me, what's when I'm comparing Fincher movies, Fight Club, Gone Girl, Social Network, and Seven are all like expert, expert, expert films. Uh, usually, if you read Fincher rankings, Panic Room, Benjamin Button are considered two of his, and Mank are considered like his bottom three. And then um, the game is usually around the middle. And then his top are Seven, Fight Club, Gone Girl, Social Network, and Zodiac. Those are like his top movies. So I've, <laughs> all the movies I've watched are the ones that are considered like the top tier Fincher. So I think I'm going to watch Zodiac next. I don't know if I'm going to watch it like next as in like I'm watching it tonight. But um, I, th- I think the next Fincher movie I watch probably will be Zodiac. Um, I don't know if I'll get that done in this year or not. We'll see. Well, actually, it wouldn't be the next one then if I don't watch it before I watch The Killer. But a uh, quick thing about Moonlighting. If I watch Moonlighting, uh, it's really upsetting. Uh, the Bruce Willis situation apparently is getting worse. Um, he uh, is losing the ability to speak. So um, it's like basically gone at this point. So that's really terrible. Um, so 
yeah, if you want to look more into that, um, yeah, things prayers out to Bruce Willis. Things are not improving for him, so it's really, really a shame. Um, but uh, sorry, it was really weird that I randomly popped in. That was just the way I was thinking. But um, we'll go back to seven real quick. Uh, expert ending, expert writing. But what I think is interesting is Fight Club. I feel like has all these like vignettes, like all these little moments. That all add up to make this like big piece, almost like Oppenheimer, right? Like Oppenheimer, it's the whole movie has these moments. Like the beginning, there's points in the beginning you remember, there's points in the middle you remember, there's points at the end, especially the ending you remember, and it all adds up to make this one great image. And it's like almost like his painting. It's like when you look at when you walk into those like um, I forget what it's called, but like those big paintings, like uh, they would put on the top of like cathedrals. And you can look at little sectors of it, but when you look at it together, it all makes its own big image. And that's like how Fight Club is. And that's how Oppenheimer is. And they still have great endings. Like I think Fight Club is a really good ending, but it's it's all together. Whereas Seven, it is like it's almost like a line. Like it starts and it just goes up and up and up and up and up, and at the end, it's just all built to this massive point. So it's hard for me to say like if it's his best movie because I'm like, well, it's it's very different. So it's gonna, I think I gotta sit with it longer. I think by the time we get to the sort of sporties, I'll be able to sort which one I think is better. I might have to rewatch Fight Club this year. I might be on. Might be something I have to do. I think I like Seven more though. Like I think if somebody said, hey, let's watch a Fincher movie. I think Seven might be near the top of the list for ones I just picked to watch. It's a very intense movie. I think it's more, I don't know if it's more intense than Fight Club. It's interesting. Uh, Fight Club has some comedy to it, whereas Seven really does not have any comedy in it. Also, the Tyler Durden character is more fun than like any character in any other Fincher movie. So it's it's interesting. Then you got Social Network, which I haven't watched in a while, and I should rewatch that one. That one's great. Social Network's great. Uh, I I love Andrew Garfield in that movie, and I like Timberlake's performance that too. I like everyone's performance. That movie's so good. Ah oh, man, maybe maybe I should review that one. But um, maybe that one is secretly the Fincher movie I, that actually really works for me. I just didn't realize it at the time. Who knows? Um, I really liked Seven. It really worked for me. The more and more I think about it, the more and more I think it was genius, and um. Yeah, it's it was really quality, and I understand. It's got a lot of similarities to Batman, but it makes sense why they did that because the Batman is great and Seven is great, and so you make it's just this great little duo of films. So, all right, um, that's been it. I just you know the movie section is usually just me just kind of spouting off ideas, and uh, if you watch the pod or listen to the pod and you think, man, that sounds cool, I want to watch that movie. Then do it, and if you don't like it, then you go, man, Ryan was wrong. But, you know, the more and more you listen, the more and more you get an idea of what I do and don't like, and then you can gauge your opinion like, well, if he thinks Seven's really good, then I probably won't like it. So then you'll know, you know, just use my opinion. You know, if you figure out yours is very different from mine, then you use that to tell if you're going to like a movie, and you figure out your opinion similar to mine, well, then great. So, you know, just use mine as a gauge. Or... You can always click off after the NFL section. I get it, too. The movie section is truly my least organized section. I literally will put, like, two bullet points. I'm just like, all right, we're going we're gonna to start talking. And that's how it goes. All right. 
that's going to be it. Uh, my buddy Mason White just texted me, and he said, appreciate the shout-out on the last episode. So you get another one in this episode, Mason. If you made it all the way to the end and you listened through me just rambling about movies, I appreciate it a lot, bud. I uh, hope you're doing well out in, I think, South Carolina or North Carolina. One of the Carolinas. Um, I don't know if you'd be exactly Carolina Gold, as you're a very pale guy, but maybe you can get some Carolina Gold wings. See you all in the next one. I don't know what else to say to sign off. I'm just going to say bye-bye now. I like that. Bye-bye now.